Very good. Um, well, with Steve being gone this past week on a fishing trip and uh, us going over the, the fruit of the Spirit, the, the, the pastors, the leaders of Zion decided to take a few weeks and uh, let a couple lay, lay speakers, I guess they call them, fill in and, and do some of the fruit of the Spirit. So that's the season we're on. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, it's probably been about four months since Steve asked me to preach on the topic of patience. I couldn't wait for this day to get here. <laughs> you got the joke. You got it. Well, if you don't think God doesn't have a sense of humor, uh, you should have seen the look on my kids' faces whenever they found out that I was going to be preaching on, on patience. Um, a lot of you that have, have come across my path probably see me as a, as a pretty laid-back guy, uh, pretty calm, and I am pretty calm right up until the point when something becomes an inconvenience, and then that's when patience can go out the window. So um, it occurred to me as I was putting together this, this talk, this message, that sitting here this morning listening to us talk about patience, there are, there are two distinct groups of people, I'm going to assume. Um, there are the churchy people, the people that have grown up sitting in the little Sunday school rooms hearing about the fruit of the Spirit, the people that have sat Sunday after Sunday after Sunday listening to sermons. They're very familiar with the fruit of the Spirit. They tune into Christian radio. They, they do their daily devotionals. And for folks like that, whenever we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it might actually get to be kind of old hat. Like, all right, we've, we've heard about the fruit of the Spirit. We know about the fruit of the Spirit. We've been over and over and over the fruit of the Spirit. On the other hand, there are folks that are they're new believers or they haven't grown up in the church, and even just to hear the term, think about that. Even if you've grown up in church, think about the term fruit of the Spirit. If you're not familiar with that, what in the world does that mean? Fruit of the fruit? Or is this a grocery list? Is this a Weight Watchers menu? What are we even talking about with fruit of the Spirit? Two pretty big extremes. For some folks, it's, it's almost cliche. For other folks, we're trying to get to the bottom, like, what the heck does this even mean? So hopefully today, we'll be able to dig deep into what patience means, what patience can look like in our everyday lives, but we can give some, some real-life examples for the folks that this might be, might be kind of new to. Many of you have probably heard somebody say, a pastor, Christian radio, whatever, Whenever we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, it is referred to as fruit singular. It's not plural. Whenever we look at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, it's not fruits plural in that we get to pick and choose, well, I, I want to have faithfulness today, and I want to have goodness tomorrow, and I want to have patience right now. When we accept Christ as our Savior, whenever we give our lives to Him as our Lord and Savior and salvation comes through Him and through Him alone, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit works in our lives to provide us with these fruit, with these gifts. And they will be the example by which we live our lives if we're relying on the Spirit, not relying on our own strength, not relying on 
all right, I need to check a box and I want to make sure that I show somebody love today and I want to check a box and make sure that I exhibit peace today. But whenever we surrender our lives to Christ and the Spirit lives within us, this is what should take place. Um, it also occurred to me as I, was, as I was thinking through this early on how closely patience is tied to so many other aspects in the fruit of the Spirit. Think about the times in your life whenever you, you, your patience is out the window, whenever you have absolutely lost it. How impossible is it to show love whenever you've lost it, whenever your patience is gone? How difficult is it, how impossible is it to be kind to someone when your patience is gone? How difficult is it to maintain your faithfulness to God whenever your patience in waiting on Him is gone? So patience, patience is wrapped up in so much that we see in terms of the fruit of the Spirit here that it's, it's really essential that we, that we take a Sunday morning and, and dive into it. Um, the way this talk this morning is going to play out is I'm going to look at several different types of situations that I think um, we all face on a regular basis in our lives. Um, and what I'm going to do is, it's, it's going to be pretty apparent how they, how they may play out for all of this, but what I want to do with each one is, it's not about us, it's about God and His Word. We're going to look at situations circumstances, people, and God himself. We're going to look at those four aspects, and we're going to dive into the Bible a little bit and look at ways that people in the Bible, real-life people, may have faced one of these situations and blown it, and also instances whenever they faced something like this and they were able to come through and exhibit the quality of patience. So, situations. What I define as a situation is something that is a, it's a very brief, very much spur of the moment. Um, it's minor in the big scheme of things. It's inconsequential. Um, for me, this is my downfall. For me, this is the driver pulling out right in front of me and then going so slow for the next 27 miles that, in fact, I should have, should have prepped my kids for this a little bit. Whenever, whenever I'm still in a good mood, whenever they were little, I would say, get out your bazookas, kids. Blow them up. And all three of the kids in the car would be like, <laughs> they'd be blowing up the car in front of us. That's whenever I was still in, in an okay mood with a, with a slow driver. Um, things are not quite as funny, not quite as pretty whenever, whenever I'm in a bad mood, whenever I lose my patience. And so often in life, I feel like our Christian witness can be compromised in the blink of an eye whenever we lose it over nothing. Whenever it's, it's lost car keys, it's, it's a lost TV remote. Um, it's the computer virus that, that pops up out of nowhere. All of these things have happened this week, um, none of which I handled very well, but 
these are the times whenever, whenever we can lose it, and if, if it's at work, if it's in public, if it's, if it's around a group of peers, that's when people can tend to look, look at us and be like, boy, that's, that's kind of an overreaction. That, is that the way Christ would behave? Is that, would, is that the way a believer is supposed to behave? So a situation is not something that's going to be huge in terms of the big scheme of things, but it is an opportunity to either exhibit patience or not. Um, the biblical account that I pulled out for a, a, an example of blowing it, poor patience, it's out of Luke 9. And Jesus and his disciples are passing through Samaria. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along with each other. So they reach the time of day whenever the disciples and Jesus decide, we need some food, we need a place to stay, and let's try to, let's try to camp out in this town. The Samaritans blow them off. They reject them. You're not staying here. That's relatively inconsequential in the big scheme of things. All right, we'll find a different house, we'll find a different eatery, we'll find a different town to go on to. Two of, of, Peter, of, two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, literally asked Jesus, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume these people? Like, that's a pretty good example of losing your patience just like that. That is a pretty good example of an overreaction to the point, that, I guess that's the the, the 2,000 years ago version of taking out your bazooka, except they, they weren't joking. They wanted to call down fire from heaven. Jesus was like, no. No, not the time or place. Um, so that's an example of people in a, in a relatively small, relatively inconsequential example just blowing it. The example that I, that I found for somebody who did things right, believe it or not, was Peter. A lot of times we look at the disciple Peter as being very, very rash, very brash, maybe someone who, who speaks too quickly, who acts too quickly, who doesn't necessarily exhibit a lot, of, a lot of patience. But in Luke 5, there's an account where Peter and his co-worker, they were fishermen, they had fished all night long. They had pulled into shore. They had not caught anything at all. Uh, Jesus gives a little talk to the crowds around them, and then he says to Peter, go back out into the deep water and throw your nets down again. And Peter's first, I mean, he's, he's exhausted. He's exhausted. He's, he's is probably very discouraged about not catching any fish he is probably on the verge of losing his patience. I know what I would do. I, my react, what would be going through my head at that point in time would be, you've got to be kidding me. You have got to be freaking kidding me. We, all night long, I'm ready to, to catch some Zs. Peter actually says to Jesus, Master, we fished all night long and didn't catch anything at all. And then I, I have to imagine there was just, I don't know if there was a look from Jesus to Peter. I don't know if Peter just put the brakes on long enough to, to, to think again about what he was saying. But he says, but if you say so, but if you say so, I'll do it. 
and they go out and they get this massive, massive, massive catch of fish. One of the things about maintaining our patience, and, and this, this comes from God, it doesn't come from us, it comes from the Spirit, but sometimes we need to put the brakes on. We need to have that momentary pause, the way I imagine Peter did, where even when our head and our heart is saying, you've got to be kidding me, we stop and we obey the Spirit the way Peter did. The next one I want to go on to is circumstances. The circumstances that come up to our, in our lives. And the way I see circumstances, they are a lot longer than just a situation. This is something that we endure for a, a long, it might be weeks, it might be months, it might be years. And I, most of you have probably endured a, a season in your life like that when it, there was pain, there was confusion, there was, there was agony. And these are very, very long-term situations. Um, the, the biblical account that comes to mind for this is in the book of Exodus. The, the, the Israelites, the Hebrew people, had been held in slavery for centuries, I believe, by the Egyptians, held in slavery. Moses comes along, God frees the, Egypt, or frees the Israelites from the Egyptians. They witness miracles. God parts the Red Sea. He rushes it back in on the Egyptian army. They see God's miracles. They see God's deliverance. They experience God's blessing, and yet they get to the point very quickly where they are complaining and they're griping and they're grumbling and they've lost their patience. And that can be, unfortunately, easy to do in our lives. We get to the point where we feel like we have endured a situation for so long, our patience is just gone. And those, those are absolutely positively the points in our lives whenever we need to be relying on the Spirit rather re than relying on our own strength to see us through. Um, the example, the biblical example that I, that I pulled for somebody who seems to deal very well with circumstances is the Apostle Paul. And I'm just going to read straight out what he says in 2 Corinthians. Uh, this starts in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. All right, think about I know sometimes it's easy just to, to, to tune out, but think about the patience that it would require to remain faithful to God's calling whenever you're going through some of the things that, that the Apostle Paul went through in, in spreading the gospel. Paul says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. 39 lashes, five different times he received, just that alone, take that alone. You know, about the third time they're getting out the whip, the fourth time they're getting out the whip, the fifth time they're getting out the whip, you start to lose patience a little bit. You start to think, hey God, you know, it's one thing to be sharing your word, it's one thing to be doing your ministry, but I didn't sign up for the fifth whipping. Three times I was beaten with rods, long wooden sticks. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. 
A night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil, hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And we don't know for sure every step of the way. Did, did, did Paul ever lose his composure? Did he ever lose his patience? Did he ever lose his temper? We're not, we're not sure about that every single step of the way, but the one thing we do know is that Paul maintained the patience to persevere in what God called him to do. Patience is tied to perseverance in remaining faithful to God through the difficult circumstances. Moving on to people. We all encounter people in our lives where it's just so easy to lose our patience. Sometimes it's somebody that we're very, very close to. Somebody it's a, it's a chance, or sometimes it's a chance encounter with somebody that we just, we just happen to stumble across. Again, this is an opportunity for either the fruit of the Spirit and God to shine through us, or it's a time for us to, in our own strength, fall flat on our face and not be a very good representation of, of Christ. Um, Years ago, back at Zion and Clary, and Pastor Trent had a, an acronym, I guess it is, EGR. These are EGR people, extra grace required. People that you come in contact with that you just, you need that extra dose of God's grace in order to deal with them just so, just so you're able to exercise patience in, in dealing with these people. Um, the person that I, that I came up with for blowing it is David. David, the shepherd boy, David from David and Goliath, David, the future king of Israel. This situation, he's not king yet. Um, he's on the run from the guy who is king. Saul is king at this time. Ironically, immediately before this account where David blows it, he exercises an unbelievable amount of patience. This, this King Saul has been pursuing David. He's been trying to kill David. David has an opportunity to kill Saul, and he spares his life. He exercises patience in saying to himself, I will not take the life of God's anointed one. And no sooner does David show that kind of patience? Then he runs into another guy named Nabal. David and the small group of followers that he has, the soldiers that are with him, running on the run with him, they're protecting him. Um, again, similar back to the James and John account, uh, they need some food, they need a place to stay. They are somewhat familiar with Nabal, and David sends some of his guys to say, hey, can you help us out here a little bit? And Nabal blows him off. He absolutely, positively blows him off. No way. You're nothing to me. I'm not helping you. And David says to his soldiers, strap on your swords. 
we're going to do some damage. Now, because of the wisdom of Nabal's wife, David and the soldiers didn't follow through with it, but that was an example of somebody, of David dealing with a person where he did not exercise patience and went zero to 60. He didn't ask him a second time. He didn't say, hey, can we work something out? He didn't say, it was like, he went from, can you help us out here? No, strap on your swords. Zero to 60 in a hurry. No patience at all. Um, Chuck Swindoll sums this up very, very interestingly in terms of, of how this plays out in our own lives. These are, this is direct from footnotes in this Bible from Chuck Swindoll. He says, David has been putting up with a lot. Think about how this plays out in your, in your lives. David has been putting up with a lot for a long time, and he's got a short fuse. So when he hears Nabal's response, he blows up and acts completely out of character. That is the most dangerous moment in life. When you have put up with hardship and humiliation again and again and again, and then the moment comes when you hit the last straw. At that moment, God's word seems to go dark, and your mind blocks out all restraint, all patience, and you think the most damnable spots. Losing our patience causes us to overreact. Thankfully, again, in this case, wisdom prevailed in terms of Nabal's wife. Those are the moments whenever we need to be most careful in our own lives, when we know that we're pushed to the brink and we're, we're right there, ready to blow it. The example of somebody doing a very good job, I feel like, is in Nehemiah. And I'm going to speed things up a little bit here. Nehemiah lived in a time when the walls of Jerusalem had been completely trashed. And that opened up the city to, to attacking armies, to raiders who would come. Nehemiah was called by God to rebuild the walls. And he faced, from, from several guys closely associated with the city, he faced insults, he faced ridicule, he faced distraction, he was attacked over and over and over again in an attempt to distract him from what God had called him to do. And Nehemiah's only reaction was basically, I don't have time for you. I'm doing God's work. I don't have time for you. I'm getting back to work. There will be times in your life, if you're serving God, and I hope that you are, there will be times in your life whenever you come under attack for that very reason. Because you are serving God, you will be attacked. Um, it's important not to be rude. It's important not to compromise our testimony. But at the same time, it's important not to let our, our energies and our efforts and our time be poured into those attacks and those people that are attacking us. We want to remain patient with them enough that we don't compromise our witness while remaining patient enough with what's ahead of us to continue with God's work. Um, moving on here, patience with God. And this, this encompasses everything. Because God is at work whenever we come in contact with people. God is at work in situations in our lives. Um, 
in Genesis, there's an account of Jacob wrestling all night long with the angel of the Lord. And so often in our lives, whether it's people, whether it's circumstances, I'll just, I'll speak for myself. I feel like I am wrestling with God, more so than that person, more so we feel like I, this has got to be within the realm of your will. Bring back this, this wayward child. Heal this disease. Save this marriage. Just take the, take the pain out of, my, out of my job, out of my work environment. God, it, it feels like it falls so much within the scope of, of God's will, and yet even when we pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, it feels like the prayers are not being answered. Um, we, get a, we get a glimpse of this within a, a, couple, a couple verses in the book of Job. Whenever Job loses absolutely everything and his wife says, curse God and die. Just don't even bother anymore. Give it up. Curse God and die. And Job says back to her, should we accept blessings from God and not trouble? And here's where, here's where I feel like a lot of the, the wrestling with God comes in. Um, patience is not resignation. Because whenever you dive into God's word, we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying in agony, saying, may this cup be taken from me. He does not <laughs> he want to go through the crucifixion and the separation from God the Father. Jesus says, your will be done. And there are times in our life whenever we, we are holding on to, your will be done. Your will be done. Jesus also told a parable to his followers about a persistent widow. And she had to go to an unrighteous judge to seek justice. And the judge didn't want to listen. And she went back again, and she went back again, and she went back again, and she went back again. And Jesus said, I want you folks to pray that way. I want my followers to pray that way. When the Son of Man comes, am I even going to find anybody, anybody who is that faithful? That, I feel like, is where the, the wrestling with God in terms of patience comes whenever we're living through difficult circumstances in our lives. How do we balance the being able to say, thy will be done, with going back to him over and over and over again and pleading? And, and a big part of the patience is maybe he's trying to change us rather than us trying to change him. Maybe he's trying to work through a difficult situation for his glory in a way that we can't see. There are so many things to wrestle with. And that's where the patience needs to come in, that we don't just get to the point where we turn our back and say, curse God and die, but we go to him in humility with our requests, but with our hearts and minds and souls open enough to, to be discerning to what he's saying to us also. Um... Patience is not resignation and just throwing up our hands and saying whatever. Uh, patience is not passivity. 
Patience is not passivity. Um, I heard a pastor say one time, don't try to outlove God. And what his point was, there are elements in Scripture that God distinctly says are sin. Go into these verses about the fruit of the Spirit and, and back up a couple verses, and Paul is very clear about the things that are sin in terms of God's eyes. Right now we're living in, in a culture where people are accepting and celebrating of sin and they're, they're, even believers are hiding behind, well, I'm just being loving. This probably isn't good grammar. I said don't try to outlove God. Don't try to outpatience God. We have a generation that's, that's falling away from the church and falling away from the Lord because of the sin that they are being inundated with. At the very least, we need to be engaged in prayer for this, for this generation. Um, at the very least. But again, back to the wrestling, we also need to decide where do we exhibit patience versus where do we stand firm for our young people. Again, these fruit of the Spirit come from God. Nobody ever exhibited these gifts better than Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself said, sin is going to come. Sin will come into the world. But woe to him by whom the sin comes. And Jesus himself says, it's better that, that a millstone be tied around that person's neck and they be thrown into the sea than to cause a little one to stumble. There, there is a war on children right now. There is a war on our faith. There is a war on God's word. And yes, we need to be patient, but that does not mean passivity in the face of sin invading our children and our lives. All right, last thing to wrap it up. And this, this, is, this kind of freaks me out, but we are wrapping up. Um, a few weeks ago at least, maybe longer, whenever Steve was going over the different names of God. Um, one of them was Jehovah Sabaoth. And in almost every Bible, that is translated as Lord of Hosts. Most of you, whenever you, and I, I've read through the Bible multiple times, and I saw that over and over, it's 270 times that Lord of Hosts, it was probably right around the time whenever Steve was, was talking about that, that I found out that that is actually, Lord of Hosts can also be, I did, what's host? What is, host is like a dinner host, or what? That is a military term if you go back to the original language. And Lord of Hosts can actually be translated Lord of Heaven's Armies. And when you think about him being Lord of the angelic armies that are doing battle in the unseen realm, that, that put, for me, a whole new context on Lord of Hosts. And there's an example, and this ties into patience. There's, there's an account in the book of Daniel 
where Daniel prays and fasts for three weeks. And for three weeks, he gets back nothing from the Lord. Absolutely nothing. There's no answer. There's no reply. There's no indication of what's going to happen. There is three weeks. There's absolutely nothing. And then after 21 days, an angel shows up to Daniel. And that angel tells him, God heard you as soon as you started praying. As soon as you started praying, God heard you. Not only did he hear you, he sent me. He sent me immediately. And on the way, a demonic angel, the Bible refers to him as the prince of Persia, a demonic angel came to do battle. And those two angels had been locked in battle for that entire three-week period. And it was only after God sent another angel named Michael to intercede that the first angel was freed up to go and, and minister to Daniel. Now, think about that in terms of patience. What if Daniel had stopped praying after a week? What if Daniel had stopped praying after two weeks? I don't, we'll never know. The, some of you have been praying for things a lot longer than three weeks. I know that. But just imagine that whenever you're praying for your children, for your family, for your marriage, for your coworkers, for lost ones, for our country, it's not just about that and it's not just about them but your prayers may literally be impacting what is going on in terms of Jehovah Sabaoth in terms of the Lord of the heavenly armies the Lord of the angel armies and the battle that's going on in the unseen realm be patient be faithful be sensitive to God working in your heart and don't lose patience in him. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to come together this morning and hopefully to dig deeper into your word and your truth and uh, give us the, the patience and, and all the fruit of the spirit to uh, just have your, your will being worked out in our lives for ourselves for the people we come in contact with, and ultimately for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we respond, let's just stand and sing together. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go. I see it now, laying it down, and I know that I need you. Run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 oh. 
saw my condition Had a plan from the start Your son for redemption The price for my heart I don't have a context For that kind of love I don't understand I can't comprehend All I know is I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend, so I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 and again and again. Oh, 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 my heart has been in your for my first breath running into your arms is running to life from death i feel this rush deep in my chest your mercy is calling out just as i am you pull me I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart found a surgeon My soul found a friend So I'll run to the Father again And again I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding No reason to wait My heart found a surgeon my soul found a friend, so I'll run to the Father again, and again, and again, and again. Oh, 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 and again, and again. we pass our offering, I just want to encourage you to give sacrificially. Give uh, with your heart. Don't give because the church says we need money or anything like that. Give because God's worthy. Worship God with your giving and, and give because He's worthy. That's the only thing that's really worth worshiping here. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. Just thank you for uh, the message brought forth and uh, just pray you just bless this offering as we pass it through. In your name, amen. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. You are the everlasting. 